Welcome to the Kingdom Life Church podcast. We hope you enjoyed this message by our guest speaker. For more great content, visit klcmain.com. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Pastor Jamie. Um, I just want to also honor and bless your leadership from the jump um, in their trust of the Lord, really, is what it is, and their sensitivity to the Spirit. Uh, It is not a small thing to entrust a relative stranger um, with the flock, with the the holy ground the Lord has has really um, entrusted you all with in this season, in this time. And so we are grateful. We are so glad to be here. We appreciate you all. Um, my name is Mo. My husband, Jeremiah, is here. We have four small kids running around downstairs. Send the volunteers because our third born alone could tear this place down <laughs> piece by piece. It's a given. Uh, yeah, we have a seven-year-old, a five-year-old, a four-year-old, and a two year old. And um, we have been in a prophetic teaching ministry for about 12 years now. But a year and a half ago, uh, as our family team was growing, and the Lord was continuing to minister to us on what it meant to be a multi-generational team on mission together, uh, he called us to fully mobilize um, as a team. So we sold the house, we sold all the stuff, we bought a big giant F4. 450. Anyone ever seen one? They're like unicorns on the road. They're so huge. Uh, and, a, and a big giant fifth wheel RV. Any RVers in the house? RV parks outnumber homes in this region, so I feel like there's got to be some RVers. Um, and we, we launched out a year and a half ago, Fifth Wheel Missions. And uh, while our itinerant speaking schedule typically creates kind of the spine of our travels, um, the purpose and one of the purposes of Fifth Wheel Missions is to live in that margin without agenda, in that space of... Uh, movement where the divine appointments take place, where the holy interruptions take place. We see it all throughout Jesus's ministry, right? He was never truly interrupted. It was always the will of the Father being fulfilled, and he had the margin. He had the margin uh, to obey and to see kingdom come. And so that's been a blessing. And then there have begun to become these patches of time where at the beginning of this year, the Lord specifically said that this year would be marked by an increased measure of faith to follow by cloud and by fire. And so there have been these margins of time that have presented themselves that we have simply had to seek where? Where are you sending us? Where should we go? What would you like to deposit? Where would you like to deposit it? And we've seen some really special things take place. Back in December, we were... um 3 a.m. up praying in a guest bedroom of a house we were crashing in. And the Lord said, get out a pen and paper. I'm going to tell you three places I am sending you this year. And then I'd like you two to write down three places you want to go. Is that not the kindness of God? He's like, just see, just wait and see. You can't force any of it. You can't make any of it happen in your own strength. But write this list now and you will see the glory of the Lord unveiled. So we're praying, we're praying the three places he said he was sending one of them was Maine we have never been to Maine 
We knew absolutely nobody in Maine. I knew nothing of any prophecies given over Maine. I knew no churches in Maine. No offense to you Mainers, but we were relatively clueless. I'm Georgia born and raised. My husband is a, a transplant. We spent the first eight years of our life in, or our marriage in Georgia. And so when he said Maine, there was no understanding as to why. And it was our joy to say, yes, Lord, okay but you have to make it all make sense. And so months were passing, we were continuing to pray. Uh, ground was restored in New York, which will head in a couple weeks. And we saw on the time frame, the calendar, we had the ability to go either further north than that uh, to Maine, then come down to New York. And so we just mapped it all out, uh, just trusting the Lord. And it was not until a few weeks ago, maybe a month ago, that uh, he suddenly gave us a first clue and an unction that began to connect dots, that began to make relational connections that then opened the door to reach out and say, hey, I know you don't know me, but <laughs> the Spirit of God said, and so uh, that's why we're here. Now, I say all of that to say, I do have a word that I believe is from the heart of God to impart to the state of Maine, to the church within Maine, but to the people of God above all. Um, and I intend to impart it. I do not know where it will land if it is a words of confirmation for you, if for some it may be words of encouragement, if for some it may bring rebuke. I do not presume to know exactly where that will land, but I trust the Lord. I also have to disclaimer, um, I come, so I just love to disclaimer this because I, I feel like I have to disclaimer a lot because in the Bible Belt, you never really know what you're going to get. Y'all choose to believe and to follow and it takes a lot. In the Bible Belt, it's like, mm, it was branded on me when I was born. I'm a Christian. We're like, what are we working with here? Um, so I just want to disclaimer. <laughs> That the Lord of God, if we desire to know him in his fullness, we will understand that he speaks in many ways and many tones. That his still small voice is not always, maybe even the first voice we encountered when we came to believe. The one he knew would resonate with us um, in the way that we needed it. As we are maturing in Christ, as we come into the fullness of God, we begin to learn and distinguish that he speaks in many ways for our good. An apostle sounds very different from a prophet, sounds very different from a teacher, sounds very different from an evangelist, sounds very different from the shepherd who's like, are you guys good? And the prophet's like, you better turn or burn. And the evangelist is like, but what about those out there? It's dynamic, right? God is dynamic. His character, his personality is dynamic and it is to our joy and to our strength to begin to learn the many ways that he speaks because the good Shepherd is speaking and the sheep know his voice. And they do not listen to another and are led astray. They know his voice. There are times that I speak to my children and it is firm. There are times that I speak to my children and it's very gentle. There are times I speak to my children and it's playful. There are times I speak to my children and it's instruction, right? So too Abba Father speaks to us in many different ways and spoke through Jesus in many different ways. And the Holy Spirit is dynamic. So I disclaimer that to say, I come to you in the tone of a loving big sister. 
We all need the big sister who's going to snatch us out of the dating relationship that is ratchet from the jump and shouldn't be. We don't always want the pat on the back. (laughs) We don't always... uh, Sorry, I will. They said I was free. I also should disclaimer that this is our last like scheduled thing in Maine and what the Lord has been imparting has been powerful, but it's been incomplete. So y'all are about to get the, the dump truck dump of everything that still is here and I can't leave with or I will be in disobedience. So y'all are just gonna have to track as I just dump the remainder of what the Lord is desiring to impart. But I say that to say we need, we need the voices that sound different. We need to be able to receive them. And I come like a spiritual big sister and I disclaimer that to say everything that I desire to share and impart is in love. It is in the posture of love. It is in the posture of a woman who was enslaved and bound and deceived and prideful and full of sin and who the creator saw it to be his good pleasure to extend mercy and to rescue and to pull out and by receiving Jesus by faith, by being filled by the fire of the Holy Spirit, there was something that came upon me. I can't control it, I didn't ask for it. Sometimes I'd love to Jonah and run from it, but it was a boldness that could not stand to see captives still enslaved. If you have known enslavement and you have been transferred into the kingdom of God, it is the heart of the Father to seek to see the captives set free, to wage war against the kingdom of darkness, to not shrink back, and to not tolerate sin. And so I come fiery because the people perish for lack of knowledge. And I think many times their people perish because we're timid. We're a timid kingdom army many times. And the Lord is looking, looking. Who will sound the battle cry? Who will not shrink back? So, I come with a word, and it is um, out of Haggai. If you guys want to go to the book of Haggai. Haggai, Haggai, how are we pronouncing it? We have like a, a book of the Bible song that our kids jam to in the car to memorize. They pronounce it Haggai, so I can't get that out of my head. And I say it in the tune, but I'm just going to say Haggai. It sounds easier. I'm going to go to the book of Haggai. Now, there are a couple of reasons that the word led me to this specific space as he was unpacking what he had. First and foremost, if you um, are seeking to grow in the prophetic, if you are seeking to grow even in just a richness of study of the word of God, um, begin to explore the, the biblical calendar. It's so fascinating. The prophetic calendar, the biblical calendar, when you read like the fourth month, uh, blah, 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 the second month, blah, 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 it's not talking about February. That's the current Gregorian calendar that we are under. But the biblical calendar is different from the Jewish civil calendar. It is like the Hebraic 
calendar. It's God's calendar revealed in his word. And in so many ways, he is rhythmic. He has a nature. He, he set things in motion and they follow a course. And to discover more of the biblical calendar, sometimes if I feel dry in my studies or if I feel like I'm not hearing, I will just go, look, where are we in the biblical calendar? Okay, we're in the fourth month. Let me seek out the word where it speaks to the fourth month. And inevitably, where we are on the prophetic clock, God is speaking so loudly, so loudly through his word. It's really fascinating just a key for study. We're presently in the sixth month of the biblical calendar. That's where we are on the prophetic timeline. And so this word first came to Haggai as he was speaking to the people of God in the sixth month. And the beauty of the book of Haggai that I think would excite you all as we moved into this region, as we learned, truly did not know about the rich nature of prophecy released over this state, Haggai is a book of revival. He, the, the, the book of Haggai and the book of Zechariah, they were raised up by God to promote a spirit of revival among his people. And so when we look at the book of Haggai and his spirit that is provoking revival amongst the people. He is encouraging the people to become focused on rebuilding the temple of God. It's really special because as we study this book, as we lean into the prayer, the hope, the unction for revival, there is blueprint given in this text for what continues to to frame what will create revival. There's blueprint given in Haggai, and it's important that we look to the formulas and the blueprint that the Spirit of God imparts through his word, because just as Pastor Jamie was saying, the Lord is bound to his nature. He's bound to his character. This word is living and breathing and alive. It doesn't change. He doesn't forsake it. He doesn't um, say, JK, I, I don't do that at all, and that's not applicable to my heart at all anymore. And so you're reaping gobbledygook. This isn't... It can't be outdated because it's living and active. The word, alive, it's always speaking. The blueprints it provides, the instruction it provides, the edification, the discipline, the exhortation, every word breathed out by the Spirit of God is profitable for teaching, for reproof, right? That's what the word says, all of it, profitable to the heart of man, to the spirit of man. So we find this blueprint. If our heart's cry is revival in this area, we find a blueprint in the book of Haggai. I'm gonna pray before we move into the word of God because Lord, we give you all glory and all honor. We worship you and we praise you. We magnify your name. You are holy, holy, holy Lord God Almighty and the whole earth is filled with your glory. We rebuke the false identities over this region. This is a dark region. No, all of creation is mine, declares the Lord. While this may currently be an occupied region, 
There's a kingdom of God rising up. There are laborers rising up. There are warriors rising up. And so I prophesy, I speak life even over this region. We rebuke and break the word curses of death and darkness. And we speak the truth of God's word that this land is his, declared the Lord. That these people will be his, declares the Lord. That this will be a region marked by something that is unique, that it can't be denied, that it can't be manufactured. There can be no manufactured form of worship here. There can be no manufactured, gentle timid prayers here. There can be no lukewarm, half in, half still yoked to the kingdom of darkness here. No, this will be a region that kingdom inhabitants rise up and understand their allegiance. That kingdom inhabitants rise up and the word of the Lord comes from their lips that the work of Jesus comes from their hands and feet, that obedience to the Spirit of God is muscle memory, second nature. We don't question, we don't doubt, we are not slowed. So Heavenly Father, I pray even over this time the precious blood of Jesus. As we exalt your word and your name is lifted high, I pray you would draw all unto yourself. Jesus, I pray the blood here soaked now over this property, over this building, over the technology, over every person here, over the children down below. Lord, we sanctify this space. I come in the authority of Christ Jesus, our King, to sanctify this space. I bind any unclean spirit seeking to operate and bring confusion or bring shame or bring orphan spirit or bring thoughts of abandonment. Any unclean spirit bringing fear, muffling the ears of man, no, let them be cleared in Jesus' name. I bind anything that is not of the kingdom of God that has wiggled its way in here. I bind you now in the name of Jesus and I cancel your assignment. I come against any weapon formed against us that will not prosper nor stand, and we welcome you, Holy Spirit. We welcome you, Holy Spirit, where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. There is freedom. So I welcome you, Holy Spirit, to move in power. Would you bring your word to life in spirit and in truth? In the black and white letter, would we understand it, but by your spirit, would it bring revelation? Lord, I know no one Minister to the heart of everyone because you know every hair on their head. We bless you, we love you, we trust you in Jesus' name. Amen. So if we look to the book of Haggai, this is historical account. There are many layers to scripture. At the the uppermost top layer, this is historical, recorded, accurate account. In this account, Haggai is sent by the Lord to compel the people as God is desiring his temple be rebuilt. We understand in the spirit, because there are always layers, that this word also speaks to the temple, the individual temple, you. And it also speaks to the corporate temple, to the ecclesia, to the church, to the building of God's kingdom. 
So while in historical account, Haggai was speaking directly to the rebuilding of the second temple, as we read by the Spirit, we know the Spirit of the Lord is ministering to the building of this temple, of that temple, of that temple, of that. And he is speaking too in a corporate sense to the work, God's work, the kingdom of God being established. Okay? Are we following? So as we read, allow yourself to understand it as it is intimately talking to you. Because the Spirit of God is very passionate about personally speaking to us. 1 Corinthians six nineteen. do you not know that you are the temple? We have a sect of people off working real hard to rebuild a third temple, a physical third temple. The Spirit of God says, don't you see it amongst you on the earth? It's already here. It's in my people. They're my dwelling place. Together, my body. It's bigger. It's always bigger than the mind of man can conceive. So Haggai is speaking to the people and it says in Haggai 1.1, it begins by saying, in the second year of Darius the king, in the sixth month, on the first day of the month, the word of the Lord came by the hand of Haggai the prophet to Zerubbabel the son of Sheatiel, governor of Judah, and to Joshua the son of Jehozadak the high priest. Thus says the Lord of hosts, These people say the time has not yet come to rebuild the house of the Lord. Then the word of God came by the hand of Haggai the prophet. Is it a time for you yourselves to dwell in your paneled houses while this house lies in ruins? Now therefore, thus says the Lord of hosts, consider your ways. You have sown much and harvested little. You eat but you never have enough. You drink, but you never have your fill. You clothe yourselves, but no one is warm. And he who earns wages does so to put them into a bag with holes. Thus says the Lord of hosts, consider your ways. Go up to the hills, bring wood and build the house that I may take pleasure in it and that I may be glorified, says the Lord. You looked for much and behold, it came to little and when you brought it home, it blew away. Why, declares the Lord of hosts? Because of my house that lies in ruins while each of you busies himself with his own house. Therefore, the heavens above you have withheld the dew and the earth has withheld its produce. And I have called for a drought on the land and the hills, on the grain and the new wine, the oil on what the ground brings forth, on man and on beast and on all their labors. Then Zerubbabel, the son of Sheatiel, and Joshua, the son of Jehozadak, the high priest, with all the remnant of the people, obeyed the voice of the Lord their God. And the words of Haggai the prophet, as the Lord their God had sent him, and the people feared the Lord. Then Haggai the messenger of the Lord spoke to the people with the Lord's message. I'm with you, declares the Lord. And the Lord stirred up the spirit of Zerubbabel, the son of Sheatiel, governor of Judah, stirred up the spirit of Joshua, the son of Jehozadak, the high priest, and the spirit of all the remnant of the people. And they came and worked on the house of the Lord of hosts, their God, on the 24th day of the month, in the sixth month, in the second year of Darius the king. We'll stop there because a huge blueprint was just released in one chapter. 
Haggai, uh, Haggai is sent on assignment to stir a spirit of revival, ultimately that the people would be connected again, pleasing again in the presence of God again as they obeyed him. That he would be in their midst, that he would be among them, that he would bless what they were doing and where they were, right? This is the ultimate hope of revival. This is the ultimate sign of revival, that the presence of the Lord is amongst, that he's moving, that he's present, that he's speaking, that he's alive, that the heart of man is being transformed in the presence of the maker. I think a lot of times we think revival in our brain, in our own understanding goes to like an event, one thing. I think we're programmed many times to look to someone else to make the thing happen. And we're looking for something I, want to, I don't ever want to speak out of term. It has to be the Holy Spirit that imparts it. We're, we're looking for someone or something to bring that thing. And yet revival occurs in the heart of man. Revival will be the least in the lost standing up into the fullness of their identity. Revival will be the man who cuts down trees. Why am I blanking? It's not a plumber. Not an arborist. Lumberjack! The lumberjack of Maine. It will be the, it will be the layman. It will be the ind- arborist? That's a fancy way to say it. Yeah. Revival occurs when there is a plurality being pulsed back to life. And so Haggai is seeking to stir revival, but he gives this blueprint, and the first element of the blueprint is rebuke. The word of the Lord says, bear fruit in keeping with repentance. We, if, we, if we want revival, but we, we quench the Holy Spirit and we won't receive rebuke, you will not see revival. Rebuke is a mercy of the Lord. One of the functions of the Holy Spirit is to convict. I was sitting in my car several months ago because I'm gonna be honest with y'all, as you grow in the Lord, as you're walking with him, as the years pass, as the decades are then clocking up, this this is a whole journey. This is just like, it feels like one thing after another after another. But is that not true as we're being trained up in anything, as we're being, I was a soccer player, I was a very competitive soccer player, played all over the world. I wanted the coach that saw what was in me and was unyielding and drawing it out. I didn't want it to be taken easy on me. I didn't want to be trained lightly. When I was 12, I put myself in the training environment with the 17 and 18 year old male goalkeepers in the coach that was like feared in the club because I wanted my standard to be that, not other 12 year olds. 
And so the spirit of the Lord says, be holy as I am holy. My standard is holiness. It has not changed. I am making you into the very likeness of my son who was without blemish and without fault. I want to purify you. I see what's in you. I want to draw it out. I want to break every chain that is holding you back from walking in the fullness of who you are. I want to pull off every false identity. I want to tend to every wound. I'm going to discipline because I love you. Your willful sin that you think is in the darkness, but I see, because nothing's hidden in the spirit. I love you too much to leave you like I found you. And that work of the Holy Spirit, while he's also teacher, he reminds us of everything Jesus taught, he's comforter, he's counselor, he's also convictor. And conviction is a mercy of the Lord. I was sitting in my truck when the Spirit of God said this so clearly. It was so intense. I fear the Lord. He said, better you receive my conviction now that we can break the chain and apply the blood than the enemy accuse you at judgment and be right. I said, I just worked through the last conviction and he's like, you're built for this. I made you. Get ready. We're working through another one. (laughs) Better you allow the spirit of God to convict you now and you apply that precious blood of Jesus, that free gift that every knee bows to and that breaks every chain Better better you apply it now and receive his mercy and know freedom now than carry these things and think they're hidden in the darkness and wear them like yokes. And when you do stand before the Lord, there will be a fear and accusation can become and be accurate. No, the word of the Lord says that when those who love him stand before him, they will have been perfected in love. There will be no fear. We will have been perfected in love. I would rather know what it means to lay prostrate now by my own willful choice and kill my flesh and receive the conviction now so when I'm slayed in the spirit, prostrate before him, it's familiar. He's like, I know the side of the back of your head. Get on up. You see, the adversary has a tactic of forcing humility on you by shame. The word of the Lord says, humble yourself before me and I will lift you up. The enemy says, oh, he just pointed out your struggle with pornography. (laughs) He's seen that you've dealt with it for 10 years. He sees what you do behind closed doors. Hey, how could you serve the kingdom of God? You think he would love someone like you? You are worthless and we buckle under that weight. The Lord says, no, I see your struggle with pornography and I have the power to set you free. Humble yourself before me. Confess of your sins, I'm faithful and just to forgive you of your sin. And that chain that's bound you here, I'ma unwire, I'ma put it in your hand, and you are going to bind the works of darkness with that same chain that once bound you. Receiving rebuke is a sign of childlike wonder that pleases the heart of God. I delight when my child receives correction, not when they talk back. Oh my word. I really come close to losing my salvation sometimes. I'm like, 
Holy Spirit, I need only you, all of you. You are <laughs> flesh die, go down, go down. When my child exercises first time obedience, or when I correct them and I see in their eyes they receive it, say, I'm sorry. My heart is a parent. It's like, oh, this one, they're getting it. But when rebuke comes and there's a denial and there's a crossed arm and there's no, it wasn't, and that wasn't me. Well, imagine if the Samaritan woman had done that at the well. No, you've got the wrong, wrong Samaritan woman. It's the other one that comes out here at high noon. <laughs> I gotta go. She wouldn't have become the first evangelist activated in scripture. That's the first person he revealed his messianic identity to. I am the Messiah. How do you know everything about me? Those were her words. You must be a prophet. Well, I'm the prophet of all prophets. I'm also the apostle of all apostles, the evangelist of all evangelists, the shepherd of all shepherds. I am the rabbi, the teacher of all teachers. I am the Messiah. The the way and the truth and the life. It says she drops her bucket. She ran back to town with another man's name on her lips. What do you think the community thought? Talk about losing your reputation. But this time it was the name above all names. And many came to believe. Many were saved. They asked Jesus to come to their town. I used the example of addiction to pornography for 10 years because I walked in it. Exposed at nine years old in the grips of pornography until one day Jesus crashed into my story, changed everything. I'd known identity issues, eating disorder, self-harm, so prideful, excellent liar, amazing at faking it. My dad put a gun to his heart and pulled the trigger. Suicide crashed into my story, wrestled with a suicidal spirit, myself tormented in my thoughts, promiscuous. Don't worry, I said the vain virginity vow at nine. Well, I too will be a virgin. When I get married, my heart was not transformed. So the question was like, well, how far is too far? Well, what counts? Lord's like, you must have not understood. I want all of your heart, all of your mind, all of your soul, all of you. I don't just want your semi-good behavior. I'd messed it all up. I still would have hypocritically stood in front of you, even at my most broken point, dealing with depression, anxiety, promiscuity, pornography addiction, you name it, and I still could have told you a lot about God. I didn't know God. But his mercy encountered me when the thoughts and the tormenting spirit of suicide was raging in my mind and I understood when my dad did what he did and I saw it as a viable option and I was full of anger and full of resentment and full of unforgiveness and enslaved to so many things yet so self-righteous. That was where Jesus met me. On the side of an interstate, rolled my vehicle several times. We got free books out there for y'all. Just grab one. You can read all that. We don't have the time. Hanging upside down in a Jeep was where the Spirit of God entered in. And I, in many ways, almost, it's our, it's our nature to argue back. But, but if you knew, my phone is dinging somewhere in this car wreckage with the guy I've sexted for when I get back to Georgia. Are you sure? I know the plans and purposes I have for you. But, 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 but I'm, I, um, 
am addicted to pornography. I think I'm so in control. I think I'm not hurting anyone. I think it's my body, my choice that is powerful. I don't really know. I am the Lord your God. Choose this day whom you will serve. But my dad, I mean, you're talking about Heavenly Father. I don't really know or understand any of that because to me, dads leave. When things get hard, they bail. They do leave. They do forsake. And they leave you in a mess. I'll reveal to you who I am as Abba. Follow me. I couldn't believe it. But he didn't meet me in that wreckage and say, you have it all figured out. You are awesome in every way. You're my protege. No, he met me. He met me like a rescue worker would pull a brothel, a, a, a sex worker from a brothel. That's the condition he met me in, ravaged by sin. And he said, oh, you are mine. Will you receive me? I'm your bridegroom. Let's walk. Let's begin this journey. This isn't even what I came to preach on. Y'all, the gospel's so great. <laughs> Rebuke is a gift. Sometimes we need others to see things for us or compel us to welcome the Holy Spirit to reveal things because in our, in our flesh we resist rebuke. We don't want to acknowledge that we're dealing with gluttony. We don't want to acknowledge that we're a gossip. We don't want to acknowledge that we lie to our kids constantly and think, it doesn't matter, it's just a little white lie. It's just da-da-da-da-da. Consider your ways, declares the Lord. Rebuke doesn't bring shame. It brings freedom. The Holy Spirit wants to give us sight. Consider your ways. Consider means to think deeply about. How many, when they leave here from Monday to next Saturday night, are ruminating in their free time? Lord, search my heart and know me. Point out any iniquity within me. In every moment, Lord, help me to walk in righteousness. If you encountered the woman to be stoned, caught red-handed just as you caught me, but your mercy said, I don't condemn you. Go and sin no more. Who's been bewitched by the lie? No, it doesn't matter, all that's just fine, it's all. It's rampant where we come from. Well, I did pray a prayer one time when I was eight years old. And to tell us that, the work is finished. Debbie, no. <laughs> that was unto your rescue. Now, Galatians 5.25, we live by the Spirit and stay in step with the Spirit. The Spirit of God is the Spirit of truth. It will not lead you to sin. It will not lead you to deception. It will lead you in all truth. And if we declare that we are a holy people by the blood of Jesus, let us not make a mockery of the cross nor the grace of Christ. Let us live in a constant heart posture of prayer without seeking, ruminating, considering our ways. As I rise, Lord, what would you have of me today? 
We're quick to forgive. We're slow to speak, quick to listen. We begin to bear the fruit of the Spirit. We walk in obedience. Rebuke is a good thing, and Haggai says, consider your ways. The next element of this blueprint were the specifics, the conviction, what I've been speaking to, the sanctification. And I want to point something out the Lord showed me just yesterday because I believe that there are times where this is speaking and the Lord rebukes unto personal holiness. He's pointing out the sin, the individual. Many times it's our hidden sin that is most stubborn or that we think he doesn't see. There's nothing hidden in the spirit. The Lord sees all of it. So there's a layer of receiving rebuke that is at the personal holiness level. But I see too, sometimes sin doesn't look as obvious, maybe as we might perceive, as struggling with pornography, as lying, as stealing, as blaspheming the Lord your God. In this passage, we are specifically seeing him rebuke things that are displaying disobedience, delay, and apathy to the things of spiritual nature. So Haggai begins to speak to them, and he points out, these people say the time has not yet come to rebuild the house of the Lord. That kind of speaks to the abuse of grace of, well, I know I'm struggling with alcohol, but when I'm at this point, but when I, and then I will, well, once my kids move out of the house, that'll help my quickness to anger. No, it won't. Your poor husband needs to brace himself. He'll just become the recipient unless you get delivered, get set free. (laughs) Oh, well, once this, one that. We delay personal sanctification, and it's unto our shame. We must receive personal, because then he goes on to say, but the word of the Lord came by Haggai and said, is it a time for you yourselves to dwell in paneled houses while this house lies in ruin? Is it a time in your life right now to focus so much on the things of the natural while the things of the spirit lie in ruin? Oh, well, I'm trying to build my, well, I'm trying to save up this much until I obey the Lord and, and propose to her. Well, I'm trying to uh, figure this out with my work and my job. Well, if I could just, Joanna Gaines, style inspo, once I renovate the house, then I'll dot, 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 dot. Once I um, save the money, once I do this, I, 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 to matters in the natural that equate to paneled houses that could burn down. And he says, you're putting all of your focus and your time and your energy to things in the natural, yet in the spirit, things are lying in ruin, and I'm looking for the builders. Now, therefore, says the Lord of hosts, consider your ways. Here we go, blueprint for some of y'all. You have sown much and harvested little disobedience, delay, and apathy to the things of God will cause fruitlessness. You will work and work and work and yield little in the natural, but also in the spirit. I'm showing up every Sunday to church. I'm there every Saturday night at the worship. I'm at the Bible study. I'm doing this. I'm in the word. I'm trying. I'm, I'm doing, 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 but why don't I hear from the Lord? Why do I feel so far off? Why am I 
Okay, I'll start the Bible study. Okay, I'll lead the, this group. Okay, I'll da 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 da. Martha, be still and know that He is God. Disobedience or delay will cause a Christian to do so much for the Lord, yet it will be works of the flesh that he equates to rags. He says, I want to work through you, but it must be works conceived by my spirit, my blessing. I want to actually instruct you in exactly what I want you to be doing. Some of you all don't know how to discern yeses and noes and you've zapped yourself with a million and fifty yeses handed out to be involved in everything and none of it is actually what the Lord is saying, this thing. The enemy just be chatting. He'll just chatter, 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 chatter. And it doesn't always sound like bad things. He deceives himself as an angel of light. There's a difference between good things and the God thing. And we must be a people who aren't constantly Marthaing, but who know the posture before him of Mary that are intent on receiving from him because that's the portion that can't be taken from us. And that's the portion that will begin to bear good fruit. You must know your own intimacy with the Spirit of God and not be dependent on your pastor's intimacy with the Spirit of God, on the guest speaker's intimacy with the Spirit of God, on your grandma's intimacy. It's you. Because you could be doing a million things and missing the presence of God. And those works won't be blessed or fruitful until you simply obey him. And then you'll see. That's all I can say. You'll just see. Sometimes it's faith that gives us sight. When you say, okay, prove it, God. I know you've been talking to me about this thing. I'll, I'll obey You'll see. It's a real adventure. The next thing that he points out, you eat, but you never have enough. Disobedience or delay or apathy to being personally in his presence, to distinguishing his voice and to following it, you will feel weak. You will feel um, unsatisfied. You know, after a really good meal, you're good. You got the strength, you got the energy. But this is saying you're going to consume, but it'll be like scraps under the table. You will still be hungry. You will be left weak when we're in delay, when we're in apathy to focusing on the things of the Spirit, to building the things of God. We will not be satisfied. You drink, but you never have your fill. You'll be back and forth to the well, just like the Samaritan woman. He says, if you will just come into my presence, I'll give you living water, and you'll never thirst again. If you're in the presence and the blessing of God, you will not drink and never have your fill. It will be a droplet that's like a tsunami deluge, and you'll be trying to figure out how you can handle all of it. It goes on to say, you clothe yourselves, but no one is warm. When you walk in disobedience or delay or apathy, the Spirit of God says, it's not my desires, but they're walking unprotected and exposed to the elemental spirits of the world. You clothe yourselves, but you're never warm. 
if you're not in the adequate clothing, if you're not in the garment of praise, if you're not in the, the, the um, come on, Mo. God, breastplate of righteousness. What's it called? Armor of God. You might be clothed, but you will still be exposed and vulnerable to the elemental spirits of the world. Y'all are in a dynamic place. This is real. You have real warfare in your midst. And just in our culture, in our time, I went to a bookstore the other day in the kids section. There were more books about witches and warlocks and spell casting. And it was like toddler books of learning how to cast your spell. I said, are you kidding me? But why would we be shocked when we've been conditioned to it from our own childhood? It always just looks like entertainment. Looks like it's not that big of a, it's just the next Disney movie. I said what I said. <laughs> There's a different measure of consecration required of the people of God. Because woe to those who call evil good and good evil. Woe to those who are entertained by the things of the world. Woe to those whose eye is caught by every dangling lure and hook in the water. Woe to those who have the memory of fish and take the next bait. Woe to those who are wrapped up in the Enneagram, who are wrapped up in the, the what's it called? Not zoology, zodiac, who are wrapped up in the witchcraft who were wrapped up in the things that are not originating from the heart of God. You can check Enneagram, it rates way back to Gnosticism, long standing thing, but the recent creator of the Enneagram types on film admits to automatic writing. That's where someone clears their mind, welcomes demonic entities and writes. That's why it's so accurate. Because false prophecy can be just as accurate as true prophecy. You'll start looking to the Enneagram for your identity instead of the king who formed you. You're not a type, you're a child. So we have to be a people, woe to those who don't discern the origin of what we take in, of what we clothe ourselves with, of what we engage with. Well, it, they called it Christian yoga. Please tell me. Not here, right? Okay. Y'all, things will only get weirder and weirder. We were in Tennessee. We drove past a sign, goat yoga. There are live goats climbing on people while they take the form to worship false god. It's too much. It's too much. Woe to those. I just really, I told y'all it was just going to be a dump. I'm going to leave and your pastor's going to clean all this up and I'll never see any of you again and I like that. <laughs> don't follow me don't send me a DM <laughs> he's pointing out things specifically and they speak in the spirit and he who earns wages does so to put them into a bag with holes if you are not walking in the blessing of God but you're walking in disobedience or delay and apathy you will not prosper you might find that you are saving up, you just can't get ahead. It's like moment by moment need, paycheck by paycheck. I say that in the natural, but I mean it in the spirit. Like, I just need my next deposit to make it the next step. I just see, it feels like you're always out of sync. 
Someone I speaking in the spirit who works for wages lives that way. A child of inheritance does not. Someone who is walking in their own ways in the spirit is living by wages. Someone who is walking in obedience to their Abba is living by inheritance. We aren't to be a people who feel like we can just never catch up in many ways. I'm not just speaking monetary. You know that feeling if you've walked in it. And I would challenge you to say, allow the Lord to search your heart. See where you may be delaying the last instruction he gave you. Where you may be resisting it and walking in disobedience because the cost seems high. Where you may be apathetic and not engaging. These things that he's listing, we can judge the fruit in our life and they indicate to us how we are walking. But the next thing that he speaks to is he says, thus says the Lord of hosts, consider your ways ruminate on them, think about the way that you're living outside of this Sunday, outside of these walls. Consider your ways, go up to the hills, bring wood, build the house that I can take pleasure in it and that I may be glorified, says the Lord. You looked for much, behold, it came to little. When you brought it home, it blew away, why? Because of my house that lies in ruins while each of you busies himself with his own house. Haggai is speaking to a natural, physical mindset when we must be kingdom-minded. You are not here to build your brand and your empire. Let the world have its business models and its algorithms and its brands. The people of God walk in the blessing. So when you begin to focus on building the kingdom of God, I'm under your lordship. I walk in obedience to you. My life is laid down unto your glory. If you promote or elevate or give opportunity, I will take it and I will pray that I carry it with honor to your name. But it's not about me. You don't have to be up on a stage with a microphone or in the, in the ministry like we see it to be about the Father's business. It's how you treat your employees. It's whether you're working to get out of a debt cycle under the thumb of man. It's how you steward and lead your household. When we have a kingdom mindset, my children are not a burden nor a drain. They are quiver, they are arrows in my quiver. They are a blessing, a heritage from the Lord. My child may be two years old, but I see a calling on their life. I'm going to speak identity, identity, identity to my children. I'm going to speak identity over my spouse. I'm going to speak identity as the Lord reveals it over my community, over my neighborhood. This is how you become kingdom-minded. You stop seeing in the natural, and you gain spiritual eyes to see. And suddenly you look at our world, and you're not, well, the governmental system that's currently... Don't be the one that calls in the antichrist because you're so used to calling in the next side of the governmental coin. Your voice will get familiar. Well, this one will change things. Well, this one will save things. No, the living God will do so through you. And he may raise up people and position them there. So you better be praying for your leaders. But don't get caught 
in the natural kingdom mindset that dilutes or distorts our understanding of the spiritual kingdom. Because a kingdom mindset here in Maine looks like you understanding you are on land that belongs to the Lord God Almighty, but it's currently enemy occupied. And we don't stand for that. You have to see things in the spirit, not just the natural. There's going to be things that come upon this country that are disorienting. We're going to be praying for revival, and it's going to look upside down from that in circumstance. That doesn't mean revival's not billowing out of the heart of man. We must have a kingdom mindset. It's not about building your thing. It's about building his thing. And that looks like obedience. If you've been walking in any of this, repentance is what brings refreshment. His mercy is new every morning. Acts 3, 19 through 21 talks about the refreshment that comes from the Lord when we are a people who walk in rhythmic repentance. When we are a people who walk with the posture that says, search my heart and know me. Point out every iniquity within me. Create in me a clean heart, O God. Renew a steadfast spirit within me. Change my mind. Give me your thoughts. Let them become my thoughts. Your ways, I desire they become my ways. Your voice, I want to become attuned to it. Your word is my bread is my living water. You and you alone provide for my every need. And when we become a people who function like that, who live lives where we are considering our ways, this is where it gets good. The blueprint moves to what occurs. Zerubbabel, the son of Sheatil, and Joshua, the son of Jehozadak, the high priest, with all the remnant of the people, obeyed. We get rebuke, he gives the specifics of conviction, we become sanctified, we focus on the kingdom mindset, and we begin to obey. The first time obedience pleases the heart of God, he says, I desire desire obedience over sacrifice, listening over the fat of rams. Pastor Jamie was speaking to generosity, what precedes generosity is obedience. (laughs) Obedience is what's laid at the altar and it's to God's good pleasure. He can't help himself. He really can't help himself. We must be a people who obey the word of God. I remember when I first came to believe, I know I'm going over on time, I'm, I'm moving. When I first came to believe, I, um, man, the transformation was so powerful. I hadn't really allowed too much time, but then I met like the first Christian guy ever. And I was like, he's a Christian, I'm a Christian. This relationship will be holy. (laughs) I still had a neck brace on from the car accident. I had not been sanctified in any way. I had received and was being transformed, but that relationship was swiftly unholy. And I remember I was sitting This is what the the word of the Lord says, when the anointing of the spirit comes upon you, you need not to be taught. This does not discount the prophets, the teachers, the pastors, the evangelists. This discounts the excuse of, well, I didn't know. Well, I don't know. No, no, no. The Holy Spirit will teach you. Will you listen? I was sitting in this like church gathering at his campus and I was just trying to kill time because 
low-key, I'm very much an introvert, and I didn't want to talk to anybody. That's what was going on. So I opened my Bible <laughs> to look as though I was pious and studying the Word of God. And the first scripture I came across, this was shortly after, not too long after, coming to believe, started to walk in this. The scripture I came upon said, and these shall not inherit the kingdom of heaven. And the first, it was a list. The first thing it said was the sexually immoral. I said, ah. Joey, we're breaking up. I can't. I can't go to hell for you. And it was a clear, it was sharp, it was obedience, it was zealous. I, I'm sure I looked ridiculous. I sent a Facebook invite to 5,000 people, inviting them to join me in an intimacy fast called Kissless Till Next Christmas. No one joined, not even my mom, but I... <laughs> <laughs> Y'all have to understand, I was an all-American athlete. I was well-known at LSU, and when I came to know Jesus, I came back to campus different. I was swiftly, no one really wanted to know me anymore. You gotta be willing to walk in a little bit of loneliness if you have the Spirit of God. Suddenly, you'll find out who your real friends are when you won't serve the sin in them anymore. I saw the Word, and in the purest of places, I understood allegiance to the kingdom. I have to obey. I cannot go to hell. I can't. Worse than that, I can't be separated from a moment from the one who just met me with such a mercy, such a love. I can't serve my old kingdom. I knew the fruit of being a part of that kingdom. It was awful. And now I've been rescued. This chain is still trying to pull me back. But that day, because of the word of the Lord, it came like the sword of the spirit, sharper, the double-edged sword, sharp enough to divide bone and marrow, and at obedience, the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God, broke the chains that were tempting and pulling back. I talked to you all about the addiction to pornography. That came in that early hour. Zealous prayers, Lord, break my heart for what breaks yours. Bind my heart to thee. Give me eyes to see the world as you see it. Give me ears to hear the cry of the hurting. Make me more like Jesus. Make me more like you. I never in my own flesh connected early in belief. Clearly, I didn't connect being in a sexually sinful relationship with all that bad until the Lord was like, I'm gonna show you. I also didn't connect pornography to being a believer is all that bad. I had justified it for so long in my mind. Well, I'm not hurting anyone else. I'm not doing anything with anybody. Is it really that bad? But my heart was being worked on. My prayers were make me more like Jesus, make me more like you. So I sat alone in a condo at LSU, which is the Bayou of Temptation. Never go if you want your soul to be spared. Never go to Baton Rouge, it's crazy. Um, I was sat alone in the swamps, and familiar urge came over, muscle memory, pulled up my computer, navigated to a familiar site. Suddenly, when the site was set before me, mind you, I had never even thought to pray, Lord, deliver me from my addiction to pornography. When the site was set before my eyes, it was like it burned. I felt like I was going to puke. It's like it came up in me, I slammed the computer down. I suddenly saw these people as image-bearing creations of God rather than body parts made for my pleasure. The Spirit of God humanized man. 
And I remember wailing out, the word of God says, sometimes the spirit just prays through you in groanings. I began to wail and alone in a condo in Baton Rouge was delivered of spirits of sexual perversion, never desired to look at pornography again. <laughs> Praise God. These journeys of deliverance and freedom can look different in different people's lives. But I am here to testify that by faith, they can happen in a moment, because I think we lose heart for that. But if he rebukes, he can deliver. And obedience is what will sustain that peace of God as we obey him. The next element, it says, the voice of the Lord their God, the words of Haggai the prophet, the Lord their God had sent them. The people feared the Lord. Obedience, we must fear the Lord with awe, awe, and wonder. It's not a perverse spirit of fear. It's a reverence and an awe and a wonder. And we must have a reverence and an awe and a wonder that fears the Lord, understands his might and power, and desires to do his will simply because we understand our Father is just that incredible that to walk out of his will by my own choice would be to my own challenge. But to fear him, to trust him, to love him brings blessing. What happens next? The presence of the Lord came upon the people. They obeyed him, they feared him. It says, I am with you, declares the Lord. And the Lord stirred up the spirits of the leaders he spoke to and of the remnant of people. And they started working hard, working hard. I received a few things over this specific body. This is very interesting because I know a lot of, um, I know a lot of prophecies have come over the state of Maine and a lot of them center on Maine being a receiving point, right? First place that the sun touches, um, like the Eastern gate elements. Have, are you all familiar with these? I, I know many have spoken of it as a receiving point, but as I was praying, the Lord showed me an inverse. It was very fascinating, but he showed me the U.S. map. I'll orient it to y'all, so Maine's here. Uh, he showed it like a kettle pot. The U.S. like a kettle pot, and Maine was actually the spout. And I thought, okay, I see what you're saying, because like at first when I was looking at the map, I was like, look, Maine's like the little hat on top of New England that's just ripe with its own issues, Freemasonry, you name it, so many strongholds, and there's Maine, the little hat. But the Lord was like, I need you to keep looking. So I was like pressing in in prayer, and he showed this kettle, and Maine was the spout point. If you have ever heated up water or tea in a true kettle, you know there's like a cap that comes over the spout, and as the pressure increases, 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 that's what starts to lift the spout and you hear the sound. You hear the whoo, right? You hear the sound. That has to occur prior to the pouring out that comes from that kettle point. And I heard the Lord say, this will be a people of dispatch, dispatch, dispatch. Listen closely, because I went to go look up what dispatch mean, and it has two very fascinating meanings. The first thing, that it said to dispatch the verb deal with a task, a problem, or an opponent.
opponent quickly and efficiently. I believe that as this house continues to become a house of prayer, as the church, the ecclesia in Maine, continues to rise in prayer and intercession, you all are going to see a pressure release from all the things that have been building, ruminating, pressing in the nation. There's going to be a pressure release of deliverance in this space. There is going to be a rise of repentance, a rise of deliverance. There will be a sound of deliverance and freedom. There will be a people who rise up out of this house and the ecclesia in this state and the least and the lost all scattered about as y'all keep pulling them in. There will be a rise of cry of holiness that is going to release the pressure from you as an individual vessel, from the body as a corporate vessel, and from this nation. There is injustice. There are spiritual strongholds. There are generational curses. There are sins that we're keeping hidden. There are sins that we aren't even keeping hidden, but we just haven't obeyed the Lord nor repented and turned. It cannot be delayed any longer. I believe the spirit of the living God is going to move in a way that will restore the fear of the Lord, the awe and wonder of his glory, and a repentance that releases the pressure. You will hear the sound. I don't know when it will fall. I pray it's right now, but who knows? I say look for it. Look, look and listen because the sound that will rise in this area that will precede a move of radical revival will be a radical high pitch frequency of repentance and holiness. Holiness becoming pure. He wants to restore our soul, says the word of the Lord. If his job is to restore our soul, that must mean it's in a condition that needs restoration. The mind, the will, the emotions. I pray that the spirit of God will move over this region to renew the minds, renew the minds, break down bad mindsets, break down old mindsets, break down, well, my daddy did this, well, my mommy did that, well, the generation, have your mind renewed in Jesus' name. There will be a renewal of minds. The emotions will become healed. The spirit of God will begin to restore the soul by way of healing emotions. I know there are some of you in this room that have walked through miscarriage and you are stuck emotionally. The spirit of the living God wants to heal your emotions. There are various things in this room that some can't even speak of because when they start to, the waterworks begin. There are so many pent up, hurt emotions and the Lord is going to begin to minister to spaces that will bring emotional release. There's a reason I can stand on this stage and boldly talk about pornography and my dad's suicide and all of these things because the Lord has made me well. And we must allow the Lord to tend to our emotions as a work of restoration of the soul. Also our will. That's what the primary word of Haggai is speaking to. Your will is held in that soulish space. What do I do? Whom do I obey? Whom do I serve? You'll know there's a wound to your will in your soul if you get that late night text and try as you might, you still go. When you get around that person who really triggers you and try as you might, you still lash out. When the soul is carrying wounds, the will walks in its own way rather than 
what Jesus said in Gethsemane, if there's any other way. This pressing is a lot. But your will, not my own. Your soul is like your filter between your flesh and your spirit and the Holy Spirit with your spirit. The way the enemy's always wanted it to work for you is you receive the natural occurrences, the things in the flesh, the words that are spoken over you, the things that happen to you, the temptations you face, and it filters through your soul, messes it all up, and so then your spirit is shut down to understanding the character and the nature and the truth of the one it was made to know oneness with. Oh, don't tell me about a heavenly father because my earthly father, dot, dot, dot. It's all held in the filtering space of the soul. He wants to make you well because he does want to reveal himself as your heavenly father. When the spirit of God comes upon you, the work is that it would flow this way as the spirit speaks, it heals and tends to and purifies that filter that your flesh obeys and manifests the glory of God. There's going to be a pressure release that comes from this space. I believe this will become a house of dispatch and one of that things will look like deliverance. There will be a move of deliverance in this household. It cannot be manufactured. It's the anointing of the Lord that breaks the yoke. And your pastors could lay on their faces and cry out to God morning, noon, and night if you are not a people ready and willing to repent of your sin, you won't see it. Don't say the word fell flat if you're resisting the unction of the Holy Spirit, if you're resisting the rebuke of the Holy Spirit. He refines us by fire. No one said death to self felt good. Dying, I imagine, sometimes hurts. Are you a people able-bodied to handle it? If we are people ready to repent, to turn our faces to the Lord, it's his kindness that leads us to it. You will see a move of dispatch in this house where the works of darkness, it's like I see, the definition says to deal with a task, a problem, or an opponent quickly and efficiently. It won't be long, it won't be drawn out, it won't be any type of battle. The grace of God on this house and on the body of Christ in Maine, those who are willing If you come with a repentant heart, the Lord's going to make quick work of it, quick work of it, quick work of it, quick work of it. Dispatch has another definition that means to send off to a destination for a purpose. After the steam is released, there can be the pouring out. And I see a dispatch from this place. I see a sending, a pouring out that will flow through this house. It may be to strategic places within this state, It may be to strategic places within New England, within the Northeast. It may be unto the nations. But there will be a pouring out that will occur from Maine and will occur even from this house, a dispatching that will manifest from this spigot point. But you you don't pour before the pressure releases. The pressure release will precede it in Jesus' name. And so, Heavenly Father, we thank you We praise you 
We read into the chapter two of Haggai in the seventh month on the 21st day of the month, the word of the Lord came by the hand of Haggai the prophet. Speak now to Zerubbabel, son of Sheatil, governor of Judah, and to Joshua, the son of Jehozadak, the high priest, and to all the remnant of the people. Who is left among you who saw this house in its former glory? How do you see it now? Is it as nothing to your eyes? Yet now be strong, declares the Lord. Be strong, be strong, all you people of the land, declares the Lord. The Lord. Work, work, I'm going to add, work out your salvation with fear and trembling, with reverence and awe of God. Work, for I am with you, declares the Lord of hosts, according to the covenant that I made with you when you came out of Egypt. My spirit remains in your midst. Fear not, for thus says the Lord of hosts, yet once more in a little while I will shake the heavens and the earth and the sea and the dry land. I will shake all nations so that the treasures of all nations shall come in. And I will fill this house with glory, says the Lord of hosts. The silver is mine, the gold is mine, declares the Lord of hosts. The latter glory of this house shall be greater than the former, says the Lord of hosts. And in this place I will give peace, declares the Lord of hosts. The, the temple that Haggai was encouraging the people to build was the very temple that the treasures of heaven, Jesus himself walked through and inhabited and ministered amongst. The temple that he is desiring, you work on now. And internally, the, the personal temple, as well as the kingdom work of God, that you begin to yield your will and life to. It is going to, to carry the glory of the Lord. We saw, huh, we're going to see the return of the Lord. And it will be when the kingdom of God is established to such a place that the Father tells the Son, now it's time. There's no third building being built. There are a people being built, a remnant being built up, a people whose hearts cry are your will, not our own. To be holy as you are holy, create in us a clean heart, point out whatever you desire, sanctify us, transform us, begin to armor me, begin to strengthen me, begin to teach me, begin to counsel me. Are these the things you consider day in and day out when the word of the Lord says consider your ways. The temple, which is the very people of God that he is rebuilding, will welcome the glory of the Messiah in his return. When justice comes. <sighs> but why do the people say, well, it's not yet time. <laughs> this is what Haggai was rebuking. It's not your clock to figure out. No man knows the day nor the hour. But we may know the seasons as we observe the times. That's what it says, because we are the children of light. So we may know the seasons as we discern the times. And I just pray over this body and over the church in this state that they would lean in to what the Lord is inviting them to, prostrate postures of repentance that the steam and the pressure may release. The, ugh, the enemy think, <laughs> the steam and the pressure may release and there will be a dispatching of a kingdom army that carries the authority they were made to walk in. 
are uncompromised, no chinks in the armor from hidden sin, but are healed and whole, are walking in obedience, are being provided for by the Lord, are clothed and not growing cold, are feasting on the word of the Lord and being filled, are drinking from his living waters and being sustained in all ways. The enemy knows his time is short. Do we function with as much intentionality and focus and ferocity as the lions, right? The lions. Do we function with the same knowledge? Your time is short. And I'm coming like a herald to declare that the kingdom of God will prevail in this state, in this space, in my family, in my marriage, in this neighborhood, over this body. Your time is short. In fact, it's out. It's done. Because when the name of Jesus is declared, every knee bows. Every knee must bow. So I declare the name of Jesus over every stronghold that is holding a grip in this space. Every strong man that has been guarding the homes of their hearts, the homes of their spirits, I declare your power broken by the authority of Christ Jesus. Every stronghold of shame, every stronghold of fear, I see generational curses down line, things that have held ground for generations and generations, but you are to be a bloodline shifter. You are one who will declare the name of the Lord, plead the blood of the Lord, chains will be, breaking, will be broken, and things will look different for the generations that come from you. I tear down shame, I tear down fear. I annihilate by the sword of the spirit, apathy, the strong man of apathy, Ahab, you nasty spirit. You hold no ground in the hearts of our men or our women, our sons or our daughters. We bind the spirit of Ahab, causing an apathy, causing whatever move Jezebel wants to spout out off in this nation over a home, over a family. Ahab just backs down. No, we will not be a people who shrink back and are destroyed. We will be a people who rise up in the emancipation and the glory of Christ Jesus and stand firm. And when the day of evil comes, we stand. And when we need our arms held up, you will stand for one another. I see a move of God and a glory welcomed in that won't be perceivable as much by the human eye. It's not one event. It's a move of people lying prostrate in the hidden place, laying their self bare before the Lord and implementing everything needed to walk in accountability and freedom from sin. declare this a house of dispatch. Lord, would a spirit of God come and bring deliverance in new waves, new waves, new waves. Would the spirit of God come and nurture holiness, a hunger for holiness that literally leaves the people's belly growling until they have feasted upon the word of the Lord. A holiness that, dispatch, that, that breaks off all fear from repentance and reminds them it's a turning back home, back to the garden, back to their maker. And I declare this house a house of, of dispatch and sending, God. Would you send people? 
Would there be a pouring out from this place and from this state? Strategic, like special ops. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Literally ascending, even within this own state, like special ops, sent out for the kingdom of God, strategic. He's calling some of y'all to a step of obedience that you're not understanding that the geographical movement will actually place you strategically where he needs you as an intercessor. So you're just, you're just looking at the natural and house prices and this and that. It's bigger. It's bigger. It's always bigger. It's always bigger. So I just pray a dispatching from this place in both forms. Quick work of the things of darkness and ascending that will bring glory to the Lord. It was really neat. Amen. Amen. It was neat. My, um, I'll end on this. I shared with you an email that dream I had had prior to coming here. Really unique dream. I'll spare you the details, but basically we were pulling down witch covens on Ivy League campuses. It's a lot. I'm like, did I eat a taco or was that crazy? Anywho, when we were in Boston making our way up here, um, we said one day, oh, let's go in and, and check out Boston. We're moving through Massachusetts. First off, the infrastructure of their road system, wow. <laughs> never go to Boston. Have y'all been? Oh my word. It was the sovereignty of the Lord because we went into Boston, realized there was no way we were going to be able to park. The weather was junky. We weren't going to be able to do anything that we wanted to do. So Jeremiah just out of the blue was like, well, we're kind of close. Why don't we just go see Harvard's campus? And that's when my dream surged back to me. And I was like, oh yes. Let's go to Harvard. We're supposed to pray. We have to pray over that campus. So we drive to Harvard. All of us are, we just are in this big truck, all six of us. We get to Harvard's campus. And this is why I say God's sovereignty in the road structure because we didn't know what we were doing or where we were going. And we just so happened, Jeremiah, led by the Spirit, I suppose, trying to navigate us through Boston. I never knew Harvard and MIT and Boston University were like right there. We ended up driving over all of them and threw out all of them. Um, and I, we rolled down the window and I began to just pray aloud. We were gonna speak those words out. It was terrible weather, but we were gonna pray. So we're praying and praying. I'm like 15, maybe 15, 20 minutes, just praying out loud, praying out loud. I'm like, does anybody else wanna pray when I stop? Jeremiah prayed for a moment, but also needed to focus because yikes. And so then my seven and a half year old now I'm saying this because you can go on my Instagram and watch a prophetic word I gave a few months ago. We're in the biblical year that I believe the Lord is marked by childlike wonder. And my seven and a half year old who prays fervently, but when she has in the past, it's been for family, like for healing, like for people that she knows and I think has a mental grasp. She popped off. She started praying. 40 minutes, this seven-year-old is praying aloud over these universities, pulling down strongholds. She was giving visuals, speaking them, that have never crossed my mind. She's interceding for the staff, for the students, for incoming freshmen. For, she's saying things like, I see them, God. I see the lost who, who the enemy has deceived. They're like tinder. They're like coals for his fire. And his fire is burning, but you're going to snatch them from his fire. I'm like, glory. I, I don't know what to say. She's just, prrr. 
and all of a sudden, in the spirit, this was very encouraging. I started to see her words leaving her lips, going out the window and going up, and they were joining a dome of intercessory words over those places. And it was suddenly, everything in the spirit realm shift, shifted for me. I suddenly, I remember we were like, right at Jeremiah, I was like, this is MIT. There was a poor young man walking across the road and I was like, if I wasn't buckled and if it wasn't a green light, I felt a surge of boldness to go evangelize to anyone that would listen. There was a dome of covering and intercession. And I say all of that to say, all of revival, all of transformation, all of healing, even repentance, it's preceded by prayer. And this is a house of prayer, and increasingly so, it is intended to be. The people of Maine, you have no option but to be a praying people. You don't have a choice. You have no option to be apathetic in prayer. But be encouraged. There are others the Lord has interceding over this state and over this space, and there are places he wants to strategically send you like a special ops. It's not going to look like traditional ministry. It's going to look like you're strategically in this space, but you are there to be sowing those words into the quilt of covering. And so you all must be a praying people. You must be. He loves the Northeast. He loves New England. He loves Maine. All of creation is his, declares the Lord. He's not joking around about this region. He's not uprooting people from their lives and sending them here. There are many believers who are fleeing, who are leaving. Florida's getting real populated. Texas is getting real populated. Guess what? In the South, it's not that hard to be a Christian. Here it is. Don't run or shrink back. Stand firm and be dispatched where the Spirit sends you and obey.